What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Between the Lines Sports Podcast. We're catching up from back on November 1st when we got back into the podcast again after some time off. Uh, we've had a lot happen in the sports world. We had the World Series conclude, had a week of college football, a week of NFL football, and some college basketball games got kicked off this week. Um, but to start it off, how about those Bravos? Yeah, it was impressive the way they got it done. I mean, kind of got a little nerve-wracking or leery going back into Houston for game six, and especially after the way the first inning started, but settle in and have an all-time performance, and the Braves' bats came through in the clutch, so it was nice to see them get the job done. Uh, it felt like it had been coming for a little bit with how they've been building to it, but then this year kind of felt like it wasn't going to happen, and it's just crazy how they ran through the playoffs the way they did. Yeah, it, it, I think it was long overdue last year. I think they kind of blew it, should have you know beat the Dodgers and at least been there to compete for it, and then this year – you know, we lose two All-Stars before we start the games after the All-Star break, and then we're sitting a little below 500, making trades, trying to get some pieces, and then the pieces we got just kind of meshed all together with everybody on the team as well as you could have asked for, and uh, they were able to get it done, so I was very happy to see that. And I think it was pretty much America versus the Astros because not many people like them after their cheating scandal. Yeah, for sure. Like you said, though, it's crazy because a lot of times teams will make deals at the deadline and not any of them. Like some of them, some teams have no deals that pan out. Like the Yankees this year, Gallo hit much worse after he got there and stuff. And But the Braves made all those outfit acquisitions and literally all of them, all four of them helped. Uh, there'd be Peterson kind of picking it up whenever they first traded for him and then in the postseason him being pretty much the MVP of that series against the Brewers and Rosario being the MVP of the series against the Dodgers and Soler being the MVP of the World Series and Duvall just being clutch during the regular season and coming up with some timely hits and having 38 home runs. And it's just crazy how all four of the big outfield deals, like the players in the field deals, worked out the way they did. Because, like I said, a lot of times you don't see any of them work out and the Braves came up striking gold on all four of those player deals, which is probably the craziest thing of them all. Yeah. Yeah, I agree for sure. And, you know, we had Acuna out, which is a big reason why we went after all those guys for outfield. And, you know, he's an MVP of the league caliber player. So, you know, when you lose a guy like that, it's it's very tough to recover from. But I don't think they could have done any better, to say the least. Uh, yeah, it's, it was impressive, especially how they closed it out. Um being probably the the worst, having the worst odds to win it going in, and then I mean none of the series were really even in question. I mean the Dodgers game, I guess the Dodgers after getting up and then it being three one and losing game five this year, people probably were worried about it. But I mean the Braves came home and took care of business, so it was it was really fun to see. So now I just have to see if they're gonna end up signing in the off season of those players that they got at the trade deadline. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, then getting into some of the college football games that happened this past week. Um, let's see. Baylor got upset. Uh, Penn State kind of had a tough game until the end. Uh, Mississippi State ranked – or, I'm sorry, Michigan State ranked eighth, got beat by Purdue, who is unranked by Texas A&M, beat Auburn. And then, of course, Tennessee – uh, beat Kentucky, which we were both very happy about. Um, both way off on our score predictions uh, as far as the winning margin and what both team was going to have. But like we said, as long as Tennessee got the win, that's all that really mattered. 
Yeah, like you said, a lot of interesting results over the weekend. Uh, I just think the country, there's a lot of parity this year. I mean, I think that Georgia's a quick number one, and then after that, it's kind of a struggle to make the playoff. Georgia just has a cut. Something crazy happens. I mean, we think they're going to be in the playoff. Um, a lot of teams just fighting to get in. A lot of teams, probably in the next tier, teams like Alabama, Oklahoma State, uh, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, Michigan, Michigan State, some teams that – any given Saturday could probably even Saturday could be us too, just like we saw with Purdue. Although Purdue has knocked off a couple of teams now, so maybe they're a giant killer. I mean, they have a stat that literally no one else has. I think they have like ten more unranked wins against AP top five teams than any other program in the history of college football. It's like some crazy stat because now they've knocked off Iowa when they were number two at Iowa and Michigan State at home when they were number three. So I think Purdue's kind of sneaky. I mean, they have some teams that they're bad matchups against, like. Wisconsin blew them out. I mean, didn't blow them out, but dominated the game. And they won at Nebraska. Some places you just didn't think they'd win. But Purdue's kind of sneaky good. But like you said, a lot of interesting results. But getting to that Tennessee game that you asked me about, uh, it was it was good. I mean, didn't really turn out the way we thought. I mean, I, I figured that we would have a little trouble stopping them running the ball, uh, stopping them getting off the field. But no, nowhere near the struggle that we ended up having. I mean, Kentucky really had their way with us. There was a lot of poor tackling. Uh, just – a lot of misalignment and things like that, and we have to realize Tennessee playing with their depth on defense only rotated in 17 to 18 guys on defense, the entire defense, the whole game. So, I mean, they struggled, but when they needed to make big plays and when they needed to get a stop, they did. Like on the last time Kentucky had the ball after the mm-hmm. horrendous fourth and 24 conversion, blitzing every <laughs> down and getting Levis's face. And then, I mean, pretty much the exact opposite for the offense, the way that they're able to move the ball right now. I mean, just clicking on all cylinders, sending hookers. I mean, he's a semifinalist for the Davey O'Brien Award now, and it's really showing because, I mean, he's he's got to be one of the top three to four quarterbacks in the SEC without question in my mind. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, I forgot to even tell you this. I've heard and seen Tennessee fans complaining, complaining after a loss, only Tennessee fans would do, of course, talking about the time of possession. So, like, I think Tennessee had it for, like, 13 minutes and yeah, Kentucky we had it like had literally the rest of the 13, 40-something, and yeah, Kentucky someone, had it 46. Yeah, someone said that to me. They said, we we got to hold the ball longer. Like, we can't be beat in time of possession. I said, time of possession doesn't determine the score and the outcome of the game. Sometimes it can control the game, but we won the damn game, and we scored a lot of points. And if you haven't watched us yet this year, we click fast. We're probably the fastest moving offense in the country right now as far as, you know, time between plays and time between scores and such. So, I mean, as long no, as – No, we, I mean, we are. I just saw a stat that Tennessee is number one in the country still after this past weekend running 2.91 plays every one minute. So, by far the leader in, uh, like, plays per minute or whatever that stat is. And not that it matters, but, I mean, that's just, that's just how it's going to be now. I mean – with Hypo as a coach, you knew we were going to move fast. I mean, it's just the defense to get off the field is going to have to get stops on third downs or make big plays. I mean, some of that's on them uh, from this yeah, game for sure. Agree. I mean, agree. but um, I mean, when the offense is clicking, you can't just tell them to slow down or, or stop doing what exactly. you're doing because we're, we're, I mean, the name of the game is putting up points and stats. I mean, a lot of people have said it this week, especially too. I think maybe Ryan Tannehill said it. Maybe you told me he said that. It's like stats are for losers. I mean, who gives a shit about the time possession or the total yards? Like, no, I don't want to give up 612 total yards to Kentucky either. Like, I'd prefer a defensive slugfest and that kind of thing and us be on top. But 
stats for losers, all that matters is who has the most points. So I don't care about any of that stuff. Anybody that's worried about that isn't worried about the right things. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Tennessee scored their first two touchdowns in a total of like 37 seconds. Yeah. So by by that logic, you'd rather them score once out of those two times as long as they have the ball for a total of eight minutes because that's what really matters is the time of possession. So, yeah, for sure. I just I, And I don't think defense is – like it's not like we're going to have a terrible defense every year. Like people have to realize the deficiencies on Tennessee's defense right now, which is – Number one, depth, but number two is speed at defensive line and linebacker. So, like, when people are complaining about why can't Tennessee stop the quarterback run, well, when every offense pretty much that you're playing now spreads you out like that and you don't have speed at those two positions, you can't stop the quarterback run because yeah, you got to get to them with your linemen and your linebackers uh, in today's football because you have to play five DBs pretty much all the time. So, it'll get there, and I think, I mean, we got to see how they can recruit, which I think that they'll be able to do it over time, but we just got to – I mean, they got to keep plugging, and you got to keep developing, and you got to just keep coaching them up. I think it'll get better, but as long as offense is putting up points, you'll be in every game, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, and you know we've got three games left: a tough one against Georgia for sure. Then we got Vandy, and then um, who's the last one? South Alabama. South Alabama. South Alabama's oh. next week after Georgia. Yeah, so I mean, we've got a serious chance to go. We should go seven and five. You know. Anything can happen, so Georgia's yeah, not. I mean, I like yeah. our chances, barring no no catastrophic injuries this week against Georgia, to win our last two games as long as we take care of the ball. I mean, yeah, this team's so, gonna I mean, have trouble stopping us. I don't remember. I think I want to say our preseason projection was four wins, four to six, if I'm not mistaken. Now. So I mean, even if we don't get seven, say we hiccup and go six and whatever, I still think. Like, if you've watched the games this year and watched the coaching staff and how the players have, you know, played and talked about the coaching staff, you got to be excited about the future. Oh, yeah. I mean, no doubt. It's just, it's refreshing. It's fun to watch the games again. I mean, I would never not watch the game and never not cheer for us to win. But just this year, just talking with everybody I know and the people that I'm closest with and watch with and stuff, it's just, it's like a breath of fresh air being able to watch and have a guy who's positive as the head coach and like, seems excited to be there and doesn't answer every media uh, question without like using the King's English and saying ain't and this and uh, he done a good job and this kind of thing. So (laughs) it's, it's good to get rid of a Alabama gump and have somebody that just seems to, to care and want to be there and that the players want to play for and don't quit for. That's the biggest thing to me. The players talk positively about him and that they never quit no matter what the score is. So, that's all that matters to me. I mean, sure, I want to win the national championship, but as long as they play as hard as they possibly can, uh, I don't care what the result is. Right. And it seems like we're getting back to that with this coach. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, talking about, you know, about Georgia being kind of clear-cut number one and some other teams just kind of fighting to, to make the playoffs this year. I think right now, as it sits, Georgia's one, Alabama two, Oregon three, Ohio State four. And then, you know, the first two out would be Cincinnati and Michigan at five and six. Yeah, um, we just had the new rankings come out last night since we're, we're yeah. on this Wednesday. Cincinnati, a lot of people, that's the point of contention is them being snubbed. And honestly, I'm there with them. I mean, I, it's time that they give them a chance. It's time they give somebody a chance because, I mean, Cincinnati ran the table last year and it took a field goal in the last play of the game for Georgia to beat them. And now you got Georgia yeah. sitting there number one in Cincinnati. Yeah, they haven't looked impressive lately, but I mean, all that matters, like we said, is getting the job done. I think Cincinnati's playing exactly. down to their competition a little bit. I mean, 
They went yeah. on the road at Notre Dame and dominated that game. They went on the road to Indiana, who is struggling this year. I mean, but they've been pretty solid the last three or four years, and Cincinnati dominated them too. So, I don't know. I think if Cincinnati runs the table, they deserve a shot, and I think it'll end up playing out that way if they do end up going undefeated. Yeah, I agree. Now, if Alabama and Georgia run the table, they'll still have to see each other in the SEC championship. Oregon, you know, they play – you know, they can – they play in a conference that, you know, anything can happen. Ohio State, they still have to play Michigan, and, you know, they're playing the uh, – they're playing Purdue this week, which, I mean, as we've seen Purdue, they play crazy good against top-ranked teams and stuff like that. So, you know – Yeah, that could be if, an interesting game. That could be an interesting game this Saturday. Yeah. I expect and Ohio, Ohio State, State Michigan one will be tight as well, I think, which, I mean, Harbaugh yeah, has no interest in beating Ohio State, but – you know, something's got to change eventually. Yeah, there's a lot of games coming up the stretch here in November. I mean, I'm looking at um, Oregon's last three. I mean, they got Washington State at home this week, but then they're at Utah, who's in the top 25, and they're versus, or they play Oregon State at home, which is a big rivalry game, and then they would have to win the Pac-12 championship game. So, a lot of tough games on their schedule. We know Ohio State has Michigan State next week at Michigan the end of the season and they like we said talk about Purdue this week that could be an interesting game I mean Purdue they're scrappy and their defense is a lot better than advertised I think they have one of the top defenses in the Big Ten statistically so yeah they, uh, I think it's gonna be a bad matchup for them but I mean you never know Purdue if they could get a turnover or get out ahead early and make Ohio State press something could happen so like we said a lot of this stuff still has time to play out so the people that are overreacting and stuff it's just it's a little early to be doing that I mean I, we gotta let the season shake out and see see what happens that way oh yeah they actually have Purdue in the at nineteen in the yeah they hopped up after beating Michigan State this week, so that's uh that's pretty crazy. But then I mean you still got Cincinnati and Oklahoma both undefeated in the top eight, so yeah, we'll see what happens. It's gonna be for, I'm rooting for uh, Oklahoma to lose one personally. Yeah, I mean, me too. I want Cincinnati in for sure as long as they stay undefeated, just because like they deserve a chance for one, but then. You know, if they do get in and they just get absolutely slaughtered, then you can kill the narrative of allowing these, you know, non-Power 5 school conference teams that go undefeated in without, like, significant win wins and winning by a lot of points, and you can look more into it at that way. But we'll see. No, There's I'm... a lot of teams with only one loss in the top ten, so, I mean, anything can happen. Yeah, I mean, you got – if we're looking at it, like we talked about Oregon, talked about Ohio State, talked about Cincinnati, Michigan is – Eight and one. I mean, if they went out eleven and one, Ohio State loses the game and Michigan State wins out. I mean, they could have a crazy three-way tie. Oklahoma's undefeated. They've got at Baylor left, Iowa State left at home, and at Oklahoma State. And then you got Notre Dame sitting there at nine. I mean, they're eight and one. Have not been impressive in any way. I personally would not want to see them in, but I mean, they're in the running. And then you got Oklahoma State, who is eight and one at ten, but they still have to play uh, Oklahoma. They have to play. If they, they probably would have to play Oklahoma again in the championship game. So, I mean, yeah, like there's a lot of things that could shake out. I think anybody that's at 10 or below has a chance to make it, depending on how things happen around them and if they keep winning. So, should it makes for a really fun last few weeks of the regular season here. Yeah, I agree. Uh, then, a little bit. Um, this past week, I'm trying to pull up the games real quick for the results. Was it, What was this past week? Week nine, right? Yeah, week nine. Yeah. Yeah, so we had the, the Colts and Jets on Thursday, which was, you know, a snooze fest. 
Jets put up some late points. Uh, probably the biggest, other than, I mean, there was two big game results that I wasn't expecting. A, the first one being Buffalo get beat by Jacksonville. Um, nine to six was the final score. You know, Jacksonville didn't allow the Bills to score a touchdown, which just seems bizarre with as good as the Bills' offense have been this year how many playmakers they have and how bad Jacksonville has been. So, you know, say what you want about that, but I feel like Vegas had a say in that one. Yeah, it's just strange because the Jags have been struggling so bad. I mean, and we know they're doing an overhaul on offense, Trevor Lawrence play, a new coaching staff, but the Bills is just perplexing how they were unable to move the ball at all against the Jags. Um, I honestly had forgotten that Josh Allen played defensive line for the Jags. Uh, until this game when it was the big name battle. But he had a really big game, and the Jags did just enough to win. I mean, the defense was clutch, like you said, and they were able to kick one more field goal than the Bills. I mean, Trevor Lawrence won an NFL game only throwing for 118 yards in today's game, so that was hard to imagine and hard to believe. But like you said, kind of kind of questioning. I mean, not really questioning, but just kind of crazy how that could happen. I mean, just such a low-scoring game, and the Bills, who've been unstoppable all year, got stopped by the Jags, who are probably the worst team in the league. Yeah. And then you had uh, Cleveland just thump Cincinnati uh, 41-16. to They just ran the ball all over them. Uh, Cincinnati couldn't really do too much on offense. So the result of that one was, I mean, I thought it would be a close game because they're both pretty good teams, but I definitely didn't see, you know, kind of a blowout win. Yeah, me either. I think the biggest play in that game was Bengals went right down the field to start the game, and then on third and gold, Burrow threw a 100-yard pick six, and it seemed like they were pretty much out of it from there. So, um, I mean, like you said, two pretty close match teams. It'll be interesting to see how their second game of the season goes in Cleveland. I think it'll be a much tighter game. But uh, Brown's got the best of them on Sunday, and they played really well. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Some other ones. Uh, beat San Francisco without Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. They beat them 31-17. That was surprising also. Um you know, James Conner had four touchdowns, almost 100 rushing yards, and he had something receiving yards. So, uh, and I believe Colton back for them. I think he was their backup, and you know, it was like he never yeah, missed he a beat. Yeah, he played so, well. I think that one was definitely surprising to a lot of people. Then you had the Titans, who just recently lost Derrick Henry. They they pretty much thumped the Rams. The scoreboard shows, you know, 28 to 16, but Rams scored a touchdown late. But, I mean, the Titans just dominated that game from start to finish. So, that was surprising. Um, and then there were some other close ones. Baltimore and Minnesota went to overtime. Steelers and Chicago, you know, the last, like, three minutes of that game took over 30 minutes because they both scored. Um Twice, I believe, something like that, something crazy, and you know. All I can just... say about that game is, is I'm so glad I fell asleep for the last hour. I would have literally been getting pissed and not texting you and pissing you off too. Yeah, I mean, I was already mad enough that a that we let them back in it when we were up twenty to six, starting the fourth quarter, and you know had showed no signs of allowing them to do anything on offense and them stopping us completely on defense. So then that a script just completely flipped and it ended up being a real close game. But uh, getting into this week, 
We have, let's see. Baltimore versus Miami. Baltimore should beat them, you know, convincingly. Um, Saints versus Titans will probably be a pretty good game. Cleveland versus New England should be a good game. Um, hmm. Minnesota at, at the Chargers. I hope they're all good games except for our survivor game. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because uh, I hope they're decent. I, I mean, I like the NFL when it's close. I know you want your Steelers. Are the Steelers off this week? No, they play the Lions. No, so they play the Lions. Games. Yeah, we got our. I think we're gonna do our Survivor Thursday night, so we can get it out of the way. So hopefully the Ravens will take care of business. Yeah, hopefully there's no hiccups there. But I mean, it's a pretty good slate of games. I'm, I'm excited to watch the Seattle Green Bay game uh, because both of them are getting their quarterbacks back. You know, Aaron Rodgers was out a week with COVID, but Wilson got hurt. I think week. Five or six, I think six, and he's been out for a while. So it'd be good for them to get him back. And um, you know, we got a pretty good slate. I mean, normally they're pretty good games, just because the NFL, you really never know what can happen. And all these guys make the NFL, so we'll see. Yeah, it should be a good slate, like you said. I mean, that Seahawks-Packers game will be at four twenty-five. It'll be standalone. Well, not standalone, but one of the the smaller window there and. Should be a good game, like you said, as long as Rodgers can get back from his uh, uh, sickness or whatever you want to call it. And uh, Russell Wilson, like you said, first game back, they expect him to be out like 10 weeks, and he was only out five. So it's good to have him back because Seahawks are much more entertaining and fun to watch when he's playing. And uh, just a lot of good games this weekend. Like I said, most NFL Sundays are good or drama-filled because the games tend to be a lot closer for a variety of reasons. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh uh, college basketball yesterday, uh, Tennessee won 90-62 against UT Martin. Um, you know, that was kind of expected. I think they were actually favored by, like, 35, which was crazy. But um, I think the only really big game – I mean, Kansas played Michigan State and Duke played Kentucky. So those were really the only, like, two big matchups uh, for yesterday. But the Duke-Kentucky game was pretty good. Uh, Kansas beat – Michigan State pretty convincingly, but I mean it's good to have college basketball back. We podcast about how you know this is the best time of the year. You got all these sports going on. We just ended Major League Baseball, but now we've got college basketball, college football, and NFL football. You know until basically January, so it's going to be a good three months for sure. Yeah, for sure. It's nice to have it back. It's good to see the stadiums full again, just like it wasn't. College football and with the NFL, it's nice. It makes a huge difference, especially in, I don't know, conference play for sure, but big non-conference games. The crowd is a huge part in college sports especially, so it's good to be, see that that's probably going to be able to be moving back towards normalcy and and uh, be a, be the big part of the sport that it is. So there were, uh, there were a lot of close games, a lot of teams obviously uh, shaking off the rust and breaking in a lot of new players. I mean, Tennessee breaking in some new guys and still pretty young, especially with Fulkerson not being able to play, but it was good to see it back, and it was good to see Tennessee take care of business, especially in the second half. Yeah, for sure. Isn't it kind of weird how I feel like here the only sport that I've heard about COVID at all has been the NFL for whatever reason. I don't know if it's just bad luck or, or what. Um, well, there are a variety of reasons for that, many of which uh, probably shouldn't be discussed on this. But um, 
you got college football and massive moneymaker and the SEC is the leading force in that sport. And so basically whatever they do or say is what is going to go. And they're pretty, and obviously us living in the South know that um, people here are pretty much already moved on from that. Um, Major league baseball is different than NFL and NBA as far as uh, the way they do things with that. It's just not, I mean, obviously it's open air during the summer, most of it, but just handled differently. I mean, I think in NFL and NBA, you have a lot of uh, scrutiny, a lot of pressure, a lot of national uh, people, especially ESPN talking heads and uh, media members and Roger Goodell and Adam Silver and all these things. It's just like pressuring or trying to be the leader or trying to move the needle for the, uh, for lack of a better term, left and uh, trying to align with their politics. And so, that's why you see that still being a thing and people like Aaron Rodgers being pretty much, like you said, canceled. And I don't really necessarily see Aaron Rodgers being a, a far rider or anything, especially when you uh, listen to the way he talks. I think he's someone that thinks right as far as letting people make their own choices. And as soon as he comes out on Pat, Mac- Pat McAfee's show last week and does that, I mean, ESPN literally has like 47 articles and 17 radio hosts talking about how um, it's disrespectful and he should be uh, – fined and he should be uh, suspended for more games and Roger Goodell needs to do this and that. This is ridiculous, man. It's been 20 months. Move on. Like, let it go. But I agree with what you say. I mean, a lot of it is that you're seeing as NBA because they're not going to let people play in certain cities if they don't have a vaccination and the NFL because it's really been more recently brought up by Aaron Rodgers. So, I mean, then we yeah. see this week, I guess, a few people like Nick Chubb and somebody have been tested, have tested positive. <laughs> even though they're vaccinated. So the moral of that story is me even being vaccinated myself, it's never going to stop. Like there just is now you see that a lot of employers and NBA and this kind of thing aren't going to let people play without the booster shot, even after having their second dose. So I don't know. I think it has to do with the leaders in the leagues and the leaders that they're trying to uh, cater to is why that happens. So that's why I don't think you're seeing a big push for it in college football, but you are in those national leagues. Yeah. And honestly, like, Rogers was like, I was just saying the other day, I feel like these people that I'm hearing that are testing positive in like the sports world are vaccinated. And Rogers was like the first that's unvaccinated. I mean, I guess you could count Solaire, but that wasn't as talked about. But I don't know. I mean, let's say, but why is he the only one, one of the only ones coming out publicly saying that? Because if you today, right now, the way our world climate is, and especially our country, if you come out and say, that you aren't vaccinated, it's like you're wearing a Star of David in 1937 Germany. I mean, like, seriously, you're looked at like subhuman for not having a vaccine in your body that literally is doing pretty much nothing. I mean, people are still contracting it. People are still dying. The states where you're required to wear a mask and have vaccination and this kind of thing, like Vermont and New Mexico are literally doing the worst of any state. So, like, I don't know. It's just a thing to where, like, if they – if you come out publicly and say you're not vaccinated, you're literally wearing a star of David. Yeah. And the crazy thing, I mean, as we were just talking, like unvax or vaccinated people getting it. There's an offensive lineman for the Vikings right now who's vaccinated, has COVID, and he's been hospitalized. So I mean, I'm not if you want to get the vaccine, get the vaccine. But I don't think you should be forced for one, but then like you shouldn't be scrutinizing and just like harping down on these people that have chosen not to get it. I mean, if, I mean, at the end of the day, you make your own decision. If you die from it, then that's on you. You made the decision to not get it. 
if that's the case. So, yeah, live how they want to live. Yeah, it's just it's been talked about enough and too much, and it's just it's never going to change until the political system changes, and it's a while before that. So it's just going to have to be something we live with. The cases are going to surge in the winter because of the weather and the conditions, and we'll go through the same thing again, but more people resist it this time because. They see it's a sham, but it's just something that's going to have to play out. So it is what it is. Yeah, for sure. All right. So getting back to college football for this week, um, let's talk about the Tennessee Georgia game for this week. All right. Well, I mean, obviously, we know Georgia probably by far the best defense in college football in at least the last 10 years. Maybe one of the best college football defenses we've seen in a Longer than that, I mean, maybe in the past quarter century. I mean, obviously, every statistic, uh, they're one of the leaders in the country. Um, they've only given up more than 10 points twice this year. They've held seven of their nine opponents to 10 points or less, and especially with the offenses that are run today in this game. In today's college football, it's very difficult to do that. So, going to be a huge challenge for UT. I mean, obviously, we've talked about earlier with how depleted their defense is with depth. And uh, Georgia has a road grading offensive line and a stable running back. So it's going to be a really difficult challenge for the defense. We'll see if they can get back to playing a little better like they had been uh, prior to the really the Ole Miss game and the Alabama game as far as getting off the field on third down. It's going to it's going to require a Herculean effort and a lot of mistakes from Georgia probably for Tennessee to to win this game. Um, you look at offense. Tennessee's really clicking. I do think that Tennessee will score the most points of any opponent on jo- the any opponent has on Georgia this year because the most the team scored is 13. And I just feel like Tennessee, even if they struggle a little bit, will hit a couple big plays. Um, I just, I I feel like at home, uh, the crowd will be energized. Um, If Tennessee can get off to a hot start, maybe score the first time they have the ball, could keep the crowd in it and and maybe sway how the game goes. But I I do like it to be a competitive game. Um, I think at the end of the day, Georgia has a lot of matchups that are really tough, and it's going to wear Tennessee down. And I just think probably for a prediction that Georgia is going to end up winning this game, but I'll, I'll hold my prediction until you uh, you, you offer up what, what you think about the game. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. on. All. I do think we'll put up the most points. I think we'll be the best offense they've seen to this point. And uh, <clears throat> you know, being that we move so quick, it'll be something different to them. Uh, so we might – we might be able to wear their defense down a little bit. And, you know, like you said, I think we need Georgia to make some mistakes and just have some crucial things happen in order for us to have a, you know, a real chance to win this game. You know, we played Alabama for pretty much three and a half quarters and number two in the country. And, you know, Georgia definitely, I believe has a better defense, but, um, you know, I almost Alabama's offense is better. Um, we, you know, we held them in check for most of that game. So I'm not going to rule it out completely. Like, like we just said, it's going to be tough. And, um, I do like to see this as a competitive game and, uh, you know, we'll we'll give them their money for at least a little bit of it. Yeah. I mean, I think if you look at them, there's certain things, I mean, Georgia, Obviously, Stetson Bennett, I mean, he's no Heisman Trophy candidate, but he's a really good game-managing quarterback. He doesn't make mistakes, and that's why he's beat out JT Daniels. Obviously, Daniels had a had some lingering issues, and that allowed Bennett to get into the rhythm and groove that he has, but he, he just doesn't make mistakes. He makes the smart throws. He throws a, a pretty good deep ball, and he knows when to throw it away. He knows when to scramble and get 7 to 10 yards. 
and they basically just play don't make a mistake offense. They they run the right. ball really well, um, and they they hit their deep shots when they're there. And if they don't, they try to punch you or at least flip the field, get a couple first downs and flip the field to let their defense make a play because their defense is what can kill you. I mean, they get in the backfield, tackles for loss, sacks. They probably have 14 or 15 guys that they rotate in on the D-line and at linebacker, uh, extremely fast, don't miss tackles, and, and that's their game plan. I think probably some of the keys to this for UT to have a chance to, to make this a four-quarter game, um, you have to tackle. So against Kentucky, they did not tackle well. you got to be able to tackle, especially in space. you got to be able to tackle their running backs um, with, with one guy or in the hole. You can't let them drag you for a couple yards. You can't let them break the first guy and, and get 10 extra yards after contact. you got to tackle. I think that uh, you also have to blitz Bennett. You can't let him sit back there and have all day to pick it apart. Uh, he throws a pretty good deep ball. Um, they've got some really fast and explosive receivers. Um, they just got uh, – I can't remember. His, I think his name's Burton, maybe. They just got him back um, last week or the week before. He, he's really explosive. They've got some solid possession receivers. Um, obviously, their backs play a part in the screen game and, and slipping out of the backfield too. So you got to blitz Bennett. Uh, you got to get in his face. Uh, and on offense, I think the biggest key is obviously you have to sustain some drives. You can't put your defense back out there repetitively. But also, uh, I think the <laughs> tempo would be a real, real effective. I mean, if we can gain, start gaining some some positive yardage, start picking up some first downs. Georgia really likes to sub. So you can either get the first string that's out there tired or you can maybe catch them trying to sub and and uh, gain some penalties or, or gain some some big plays that way. So I think those are some keys that would that would allow Tennessee to be in this game for four quarters. Again, I think it'll take a pretty Herculean effort um, to, to win this game, but I don't think it's impossible by any means. Like you said, I agree with you. Alabama's offense, I believe, is better than Georgia's. But Georgia, like I said, best defense in the country this year, and there's nobody else that's really even close. Uh, really, if I had to pick one, I'd say maybe Clemson, uh, even though their offense isn't very good. Their defense is still strong. So I just I think that it's going to be a tough game. And as far as a prediction, um, it always stings me to pick against, but I just, I don't know that Tennessee has enough in the tank to get it done, um, even playing their absolute best. So I'll take a little solace, not a moral victory, but maybe knowing that uh, a coach that can score some points and, and be able to put up the most points on Georgia this year. I think Georgia ultimately will probably end up winning the game something like 35-24, 38-24. Hopefully uh, we, we can keep it a four-quarter game and make something happen. But um, if that were the end result, I, I could live with that because it meant that they gave them a four-quarter battle. With you on the same, I was going to say 35 24. Um, but you know, I think a big thing in this, I, you know, I look back to the Florida game a lot this year and how we jumped on them. And uh, you know, we had that lead early and we had so much momentum and then just got the momentum taken away from us. And you know, it, it was early in the year. This team is, I mean, this team has gotten better each week this year, which is very good for the program, for the coaches, for the players, etc. So as long as we continue to get better, we'll see that stuff. So I think to start like that against Georgia would be huge, especially since we're playing at home. If we could go out there, we could get, you know, stop them, make them punt to us, and then go right down the field and score and, you know, get an opening lead. That would be huge as far as momentum and having a real shot to win the game. But, I mean, like I said, ultimately we'll need some mistakes and just like a crazy game from us and a not-so-good – so good of a game from them in order to have a real chance to win this game. But like you said, anything's possible. So we'll see what happens, but I'm with you on the score prediction of 35 to 24 in favor of Georgia, unfortunately. Yeah. Here's hoping that that isn't the case and that, uh, 
a huge upset that shakes up the landscape of the season happens. But keeping it realistic, it's going to be difficult to do. So hopefully they just go out there, fight, scratch, claw, and maybe something will go their way. But either way, as long as they can battle with them for four quarters and show them that maybe in a year or two that they're coming, uh, I, I can live with that result. Yeah, those and as long as we don't uh, lose any key players or anybody, you know, that general because we need them healthy for, you know, last two for Georgia and then for hopefully a bowl game. So, but we'll see. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we're both wrong on our score predictions and, you know, we shock the world. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, it would be one of the best victories of my lifetime for sure if that were to take place, especially considering who it's against, Kent. There's nobody I hate more than them, so it would be great for that to happen. Agree. Agree. You got any other games you want to brush up on real quick? I'm, yeah, I'm trying I mean, to look at the schedule. There's a few in the, there's a few in the league. Yeah. Yeah, Oklahoma, Oklahoma Baylor is a good one. Penn State, Michigan play. Uh, we talked about that Ohio State-Purdue game. That should be a good one. Yeah, Texas A&M and Mississippi. Ole Miss play this That'll be a good game. That should be a real good game, actually. Um, yeah, that's where college games they ended up going. What's uh, um, what's his uh, quarterback situation looking like? I think Corral's a lot healthier this week than he was last week. He they kind of played a more conservative game plan against Liberty. Um, he didn't run the ball much. He was kind of hobbling around a little bit, but they didn't run the ball much and were able to do enough to win. So I think he'll probably be a lot healthier this week, and I think they'll get some of those other pieces back. Surprisingly, A&M's a three-point favorite at Ole Miss. So, yeah, that should probably be, that'll probably be one of the better matchups of the weekend. I mean, I, I, I really don't even know who, honestly, to go with in that game. I think it'll be a really good game, a toss-up. So that should be a really yeah. good one. Um, yeah, I think that is you know, his health status if he's able to play you know, how he plays. And then uh, NC State-Wake Forest should be a good game. I really hate that Wake Forest lost that game this past week because, you know, that would have been another team that would have been undefeated. I think they were – weren't they like fifth in the, the – or sixth Not, in the rankings prior to that? They were ninth, but they probably would have shot up after Michigan State losing. So, okay, that was, that was a tough loss for them for sure because they would have had a chance yeah. now. I don't think they have – any chance at all unless there's absolute chaos that takes place so yeah because they're sitting at 12 now so it'd be a long shot but i mean they've had seasons so they're yeah, all they still they could still finish 12 and one and make it to a new year's six bowl game if they were to win out and beat pittsburgh in the acc championship game i mean if you're looking at it you got also saturday night you got notre dame at virginia virginia sneaky good they're six and three they've got a really good quarterback um, they can put up a lot of points. I mean, that should be a good game. You got um, Arkansas at LSU. LSU took Bama to the wire last week. Arkansas playing pretty well. I mean, there's a lot of good games spread out this week. You've also got Mississippi State at Auburn at noon on ESPN. So, Mississippi State, I mean, they just fell at Arkansas. But, I mean, the West pretty much below um, Alabama, Ole Miss and Texas A&M, all those teams, Mississippi State, Auburn, pretty much all of them have beat up on each other or given each other games. So, there's a lot of good games spread out throughout the uh, the country this weekend, so it should be a really good slate. I mean, yeah. a lot of good games. I forgot about the, the North Carolina pit game. That'll be a good game as well. Um, oh, yeah, on Thursday night? Yeah, Thursday night. Really the night. first really good Thursday night college football game in a few weeks. I mean, they, they used yeah. to be a marquee game every week on ESPN 730 on Thursday nights, and this year they've kind of thrown some Sun Belt and some American games in there. But this one, yeah, this one should be a really good one. I actually, I'm looking forward to watching that. It'll probably be a 
really high-scoring game, take the over because neither team's defense has really played that well. But it should be a yeah, good one to watch. Kenny Pickett's probably one of the top senior quarterback prospects in the country this year. Yeah, and he's another one. He's kind of gotten better each week too because, you know, when, when he played Tennessee, which I think we should have won that game, but, you know, they were talking about how he decided to come back because he talked with Peyton Manning and thought it was in his best interest to come back um, to get better in order for the draft, which this is a good year to go out because last year there was a lot of good quarterbacks. This year there's not very many good uh, – draft quarterback prospects so i mean he's played very well this year he's gotten better each week like i just said so i think he's gonna have a a good draft stock on him yeah he he might be the first one off the board honestly he throws it really well really smart can is mobile um yeah he'll be right up there yeah. at the top first or second round pick possibly yeah i agree but not looking forward to the games this weekend it's a good slate i mean I mean, obviously, the closer you get to the end of the season, you got to enjoy it more because it's getting closer to being over. But uh, a lot of tight races, a lot of conference races, like we talked about earlier, a lot of games with playoff impact in them. So looking forward to getting to it and, and seeing how it plays out. So, I mean, we've got to start tomorrow. And the rest of the college games and NFL games, Saturday and Sunday and Monday, if you count Monday Night Football. So, we've got a good slate for the next five days or so. So, I'm not all of it for sure. But, yeah, like we talked uh, about, best time of the year, got... all that stuff going on. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, that's all we got for this time. Tune in next week.